this is Give Me Some Truth. This podcast features appearances from Clint Walkner, Nate Condon, Jonathan Jordan, and myself, Mitch DeWitt, from Walkner Condon Financial Advisors in Madison, Wisconsin. Give Me Some Truth is dedicated to providing an accessible and authentic view into the financial services industry, as well as current events and investment concepts that you can apply in your day-to-day life. Here are your hosts. Give me some truth. I'm your host, Jonathan Jordan, and I'm here today with my partner, Mitch DeWitt. Hello, everybody. So uh, we're excited to talk to you today about a topic that I know affects many of you out there that are listening. I know it's something that has uh, affected us. So we're going to be talking about credit cards today. And when it comes to credit cards specifically, you know, debt in general and the interest rates that are charged on that debt and how, you know, you can use these you know, instruments like credit cards in a wise way, and you could use it in an unwise way. So, but, you know, start off, Mitch, I was going to ask you, you know, you're a few years younger than me, but not much, but can you remember the first time that you got your hands on a credit card? Yes. The first time I actually had a credit card was after college and I had my first job. I was working for Rockwell Automation at the time. That was my first first career back in engineering world, and I started having an income. And in college, I just relied on my checking and my debit. So basically, it was just all cash, you know, buy it. As I, as something came up, I would just buy it outright. And I never even used credit until I actually started producing a much more meaningful income. Now, do you ever remember after getting that card, running up a debt and looking at it and saying, I don't have the money to pay for this? That never happened for me. No, I, I managed it pretty responsibly, and I used it on things that I knew I needed. So I, if, for example, if a utility bill or something would allow credit purchase, I would do that, groceries, gas, those sorts of things. Excellent. Well, I, I know I had a little bit different experience with credit card. I know I got my first card while I was in college, and I think I just answered one of the pieces of mail that came to me, and it told me about how I you know, can have this credit card and use it to pay for expenses. And, you know, I look back on it now and I, you know, I didn't really know and understand debt at the time, but I remember running up, you know, buying Taco Bell and, you know, a couple other purchases. I ran up about a $250 debt. All at Taco Bell? Yeah, but I didn't have the money to pay for it. You know, it it actually, it kind of reminded me of a Saturday Night Live skit with uh, Steve Martin and Amy Poehler where they were talking about, you know, their, their bills and they were saying, we have all this credit card debt and, you know, what are we going to do to pay it off? And guy comes in and says to him, you know, I've got a book that I wrote, a solution. It's called Don't Buy Stuff You Can't Afford. That is revolutionary. They they were looking quizzically at each other like, wait, so you're saying that if I don't have any money, I shouldn't buy something? And he said, that's right. And they just kept looking at each other like this, this doesn't make any sense. Like we have to have the money first and then we buy something. So when I got that first bill, I remember looking at it saying, how am I going to pay for this? So I thought, I can't call my parents because they would have been really disappointed that I had taken on this card. Now, $250 to me at that time was like a lot of money. 
So I remember putting together a plan to pay it down, but the interest alone was coming in at $25 a month at that. I mean, it was an exorbitant rate because I was younger. I mean, it wasn't quite 25, but it was a lot. So I wasn't getting anywhere. So I finally picked up a couple extra shifts at work and got it paid off. And since then, you know, we've got four kids. We use our credit cards all the time. And every now and then we'll run up a, a debt, but we always make sure that whatever we use the cards for, we have the money in the bank to pay for it. So that's one of the one of the smart things. But, you know, there's been some some things lately where we're hearing about interest rates rising. And, and we wanted to talk a little bit about the, how that affects your credit cards. So I know, Mitch, you, you know, we were talking earlier today and uh, you brought up some interesting points about the, the, how much people are actually paying an interest across in America. So ex- these are exorbitant numbers. So share with us a little bit about that, what you were telling me about today. Yeah, so this is from an article, and, and the reference is a group or a website called Magnify Money. And they took some data from the FDIC and basically said that Americans paid $104 billion, with a B. Billion. Billion, with a B, in interest rates and fees from their credit card. And that was just in, in one year. So that was 2017. And this number appears to be trending upward. So we'll see what next year's report comes in. But it's, it's, not, necessarily, it's not necessarily the best trend, I, I don't think. Yeah, I think you mentioned something about since 2013, it's up 35% in yes. terms of the amount. Yep, you nailed it. So what does that mean? Does it doesn't necessarily mean that people are buying more stuff on credit cards or carrying more debt. But in some cases, because interest rates are going up, that's affecting the interest rate they're paying for their APR on their credit card. So what are some things, you know, Mitch, we could be looking at, you know, when you're when it comes to having a credit card and the type of card that you have? So what are the things you look for in a card? Well, I naturally go towards what kind of rewards <laughs> am I going to get? Yeah, am I going, is it going to be Hawaii or maybe get like a sound system or something for your house? Right, exactly. Yeah, some people like the travel rewards. Some people use a card for online purchases and they might get some sort of kicker if they, if they use a lot of Amazon purchases or whatever online shopping they do. I'm just kind of a cash rewards guy, just saying, hey, if I'm going to use credit, I just want to get cash that's going to be deposited into my account. And sometimes when you're looking at those, some are, are quote unquote free, you know, no initial setup charge, no annual charge to, to get enrolled, assuming you qualify for the card. But that's something you want to look at. Okay, well, what if I, maybe there is some sort of annual fee. Maybe it's 100, 150, 200 bucks, whatever that might be. And for those that might actually have a debt that they're carrying on their credit card, that might be something to look at because you can kind of start to do some sort of cost-benefit analysis based on, well, if I pay an upfront fee but I have a lower interest rate, that might be something worthwhile. Yeah, and and why do credit cards give these cash back and rewards? You know, they're $104 billion mm-hmm. are getting paid to these companies by Americans annually according to the you know research that, that they did for, uh, you know, the article that you referenced. That's a lot of money. And people are paying that. Well, there are some people out there who use their cards smartly. I know for for us, we use a card that has 3% cash back on gas and 2% on purchases at a place where the card is issued and 1% on all other purchases. But if you're carrying a balance that has a 9.8% interest rate on it, you're defeating all of those rewards. So I find it, for me, hard to understand when people tell me, and I do have this sometimes where people say, you know, I, I carry my credit card balances, but I use this card that gives me these rewards back and I continuously use it, but eventually I'll pay it off. And what they're really doing is they're they're reducing the amount of interest they pay by a little bit, but they're still buying things they can't afford. Exactly. So if you don't have the money to buy it, as he said in the book, 
don't buy it. So don't <laughs> buy stuff you can't afford. But if you're using it wisely, credit cards can be great. One of the things I wanted to, to share with you today is kind of for those out there who don't understand how those rates are affected and how the cost of money is affected when you're borrowing money. So the Federal Reserve, which it's a, uh, a an organization out there that, that basically the entity is there to perform functions in the public interest, and they actually do have a major effect on the U.S. economy. So one of the things they do is they conduct monetary policy, which is really important. It's different than fiscal policy. You know, fiscal policy is set by the government and legislation in terms of spending. The Federal Reserve is not in charge of setting the amount of spending that the government does. What they control is the interest rates, the key interest rate, the federal funds rate. And they're able to increase the cost of money or decrease the cost of money by raising or lowering interest rates. And so if they raise rates, it makes money more expensive. They also are able to buy up treasuries or sell treasuries, which they can do that in the open market and keep them on the balance sheet so that they are basically making more money in the economy or less money. And when inflation starts to rise, this is an important component of what they do. And this allows them to keep financial stability in the system that we run here. They also supervise and regulate financial institutions, and they foster the payment and settlement system of when banks borrow money between each other, you know, intraday, and the amount of the rate that they have there. That's called the Fed funds rate. So now, a couple things, Mitch, is find this really interesting, because we've had a lot in the news about the Federal Reserve raising interest rates lately. So far this year, they've raised it twice. We expect two more raises, and each one was a quarter percent. And in the last couple years, they've actually raised it six times, and it's gone from zero, where they held it for, I, I believe, seven years, all the way up to 2%. So it's kind of scary when you see the interest rates rising like that and how that can affect the mortgages that we're looking for, as well as uh, interest rates. So have you noticed that? Have you seen seen that in anything in your in your own purchases or with talking to clients about it where they're concerned about interest rates? Sure. So I haven't, for example, ever since the interest rates have started to go up again, I haven't had any crazy purchases like a, a car, for example. I haven't bought a new car, but we're starting to see interest rates for, for auto loans. That's one pretty common one that clients are seeing. Those interest rates are coming back up. For mortgages, of course, they're they're going back up for borrowers. The one thing that seems to be lagging a little bit, but we're starting to see again, is for people that are putting their money into savings accounts. And we're starting to see a little bit of creep up for them actually getting rewarded for having their, their money parked at a bank or credit union, for example. We're starting to see that, but it's still pretty historically low, really on both sides, from the lending perspective and from the, from the savings perspective. Yeah, mon- money is still cheap right now. But when people are only looking at a snapshot since the recession... It's, it is starting to creep up, right? And it's getting higher. Like I said, it's Fed funds rates at 2%. It's going to more than likely increase a couple times this year. It's, it's going to continue at 25 basis points, which is 0.25%. It's likely going to continue throughout 2019, which has been indicated by the Fed. And that makes people kind of frightened a little bit. Whoa, interest rates going up. What does that mean? Does that mean I can't afford to, to buy a house, to buy a car? Will that mean that I won't be able to afford my credit cards, you know, paying off the, the credit card bill anymore? Yeah. Well, there, there's some important reasons why we should pay attention to these changes in the key interest rates and, and, you know, take a look at some of the areas where we may have debt, whether it's in mortgage or student loans or credit cards. But I think 
if you fail to, to pay attention to history, you're doomed to repeat it. And so maybe taking a look back to what happened to cause the financial crisis, and, and at least in part, and there was a number of things that, that were a part of it, but one of the major ones, Mitch, it had to do with the 1998 Fair House Housing Act and legislation was signed, which made it easier for people to purchase homes. And you started to see people get into these, you know, intricate mortgages where they had adjustable rates on them for seven-year arms. And what ended up happening in 2005, 2004, you know, you started to see the first of those loans get, you know, the five-year, seven-year adjustable rate mortgages getting adjusted upwards. So after the recession that we had where the dot-com bubble burst 2001, 2002, the Federal Reserve had lowered interest rates down to 1%. And they proceeded to, from June of 2003 through June of 2006, to raise that key interest rate about a quarter percent each time, sometimes a little more, 17 times. So to put that in perspective, it went from 1% to 5.25%. So We've seen an interest rate increase of just 2% here recently, so we're not even halfway to that one. But anybody out there that had adjustable mortgages that they were not seeing your income rise, saw their mortgage payments balloon up. And this was very difficult for them to make payments on. And so you started to see people get behind in their mortgages. You started to see defaults and foreclosures go up. At the same time, with the higher interest rates, the economy was slowing down. So people were losing jobs. You saw unemployment start to rise. And it was just the perfect storm because a lot of these mortgages were rated as AAA you know, banks and financial institutions had diced these up into what looked like AAA-rated investments, and everything kind of came crashing down, and we saw it take down some numerous investment banks and, and other companies out there that, that completely went under because of the risks that they were taking on what's supposed to be one of the safest investments out there. Even at the height of the financial crisis, you know, 10% was the mortgage default rate across the United States, and that means that 90% of the people were paying their mortgages on time. But that 10% was so much higher than historical numbers that it just, you know, it started a cataclysmic fall of our financial system. Now, they shored that up. They dropped interest rates down to zero. And now we see them starting to go back up because we're seeing inflation, you know, slowly coming back in, which is good for Main Street, but isn't necessarily good for Wall Street. And we are entering into a period where we expect to see that continue to happen. So, you know, Mitch, it's going to have an effect on our credit cards. It's going to have an effect on our mortgage rates. So what do, you, what do you think are some suggestions for people out there listening of things they could be doing to, to kind of pay attention to or shore up their debt situation um, if they're carrying it? Sure. And, and before that, even, I think, referencing back to your SNL skit that you talked about, I think for starters, if, if you're in a position where you're thinking about stretching your budget to the absolute limit where, you know, you pull the trigger on this this great big house that will fulfill all your, your hopes and dreams, but it's right at the very, very brink of your budget. On a, if you're looking at a monthly budget basis and how much would be coming out of your monthly budget to go towards the mortgage, if you're f- finding yourself in that situation where if something were to change that all of a sudden your mortgage is increased and you can't afford that. If you can't afford it, what do they say? They say, don't buy things you can't afford. You or don't buy stuff you can't afford. It's it, a very good life lesson to live by, or life motto. Exactly, exactly. So so that's, I'll, I'll start with that. If you don't have the money, don't even 
pull the trigger on such a, a, an important and large purchase like that. Now, for those that do have credit card debt, because sometimes there are emergencies out there that happen, someone might need to, to utilize that credit line. And, and we have seen this, right? We have seen this in, in maybe friends' families' lives, in, in clients' lives, et cetera. And for those people, what can, is, is there any, any room in that discretionary budget where you can afford to tackle more than just that minimum payment? Because if you're just simply saying, oh, okay, we got this outstanding balance on the credit card, the statement comes, and it says minimum payment, $25, let's say. Okay, and you just write the check, continue to deduct 25 month by month. And if you can afford to, to increase and pay down a little bit more, I think that's one thing that's pretty simple. That's a little analysis that will just compound over time and help you chip away more at that balance versus if the interest rate gets cranked up and your balance is going to continue to grow and you've got to at least be covering the amount of interest that you're paying. Yeah. So as, as our clients and, and people that we talk to out there consider these things, I think uh, there are other areas too to pay attention to on your credit cards, not just the interest rate. But if, you, if, if you're watching your own credit history, I know there are ways for you to get free credit report checks. Take a look each year, or at least a couple times a year maybe, at what your credit rate is. And if you feel like you're paying too high of an interest rate on cards and you've gotten yourself into a little debt, call up the credit card company and ask them, is there, is there any way that I can lower the rate? Because... You, you can't take advantage of balance transfers. Credit card companies will offer 0% you know, for a period of time in many cases or a low interest rate to get you to come over, and that could give you time to catch back up and put all your money towards principal. Uh, I don't highly recommend. I know there are people out there that they bounce money from credit card to credit card, use taking advantage of that in order to float the money and do other things with it. But eventually, that purchase that you made is going to need to be paid off. And if you bought it and didn't have the money, and when it's time to pay it off, you don't have the money. You probably shouldn't have bought it. <laughs> but anybody out there that has credit card debt, you know, f- as a component of what they're doing, especially clients of ours, if it's something that that kind of makes you lose sleep at night or you're feeling a little overbearing, please make sure to come in and talk to us and let's let's tackle it. Nothing to be afraid of. It's something that we need to put as a part of your plan, and we can talk about you know how uh, how we can can get that working towards your favor in the future so that you can have. You know, what people are looking for eventually is a debt-free life. You know, I, I see credit card debt as a bad kind of debt. I don't see a mortgage debt in many situations as a bad kind of debt if it's affordable and it's in line with what your economic, you know, and your long-term financial goals are because you have the asset on the other side that you're building equity towards. But, you know, when you're just buying things on a credit card or if you're buying a boat when you can't afford the boat, eventually you're going to have to pay for it. So Exactly. And, and there's a lot of times, too, where... Jonathan and I will sit down with somebody that reaches out to us, and it's usually in a get-to-know-each-other type of environment. And for people that might be in their 30s, maybe 40s yet, but people that, let's say they pursued some sort of advanced degree, they have student loan debt that they're still paying off, and then let's say they, they still might have even had some of that credit card debt that's outstanding as well. And sometimes the question is, well, what should I, what should I focus on? You know, and, and a lot of times similar to what John was previously saying, is credit card debt's usually viewed as kind of one of those bad debts, right? Mm-hmm. Student loan debt, if that can enable you to get that career that is going to produce a higher level of income over your lifetime, that's probably a good debt to take on. Mm-hmm. Now, you still got to pay it off, right? That's not free. Money is not free. But when that question comes up, we usually start steering towards a credit card and let's say, hey, let's let's attack that first, pay that thing down, 
and then we'll we'll approach some of the other debts and things that are going on in their life. Yeah. So. If anybody out, th- out there has questions uh, or if they've gotten themselves in a little bit of credit card debt or even a lot, you know, feel comfortable to come talk to us. It's something that we can put a plan together and help you to identify. Um, but you have to be serious about wanting to control your spending and, and have a plan in place to tackle that. So I want to thank you guys for tuning in today to give me some truth. And we look forward to chatting with you again soon. you got to leave your money That's the masses of silence Look more dead in the eye Advisory services are offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the states of Wisconsin and Texas. Clint Walkner, Nate Condon, Jonathan Jordan, and Mitch DeWitt are investment advisor representatives of Walkner Condon. Guests on the podcast are not registered, and their participation in the podcast are limited to unregistered activities and will not be providing any advice that is investment-related, nor should any comments that guests make should be construed as giving investment advice. Content should not be viewed as an offer to buy or sell any securities mentioned or as legal or tax advice. You should always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, is not engaged in the practice of law. Whenever you invest, you are at risk of loss of principal as the market does fluctuate. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Purchases are subject to suitability. This requires a review of an investor's objective, risk tolerance, and time horizon. Investing always involves risk and possible loss of capital. Long-term care, estate planning, insurance products, and tax advice are not offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC. Walkner Condon works on a best efforts basis and does not guarantee any results. Past performance does not represent future results. Please see walknercondon.com for additional disclosures.